Good morning on this sunny Sunday morning, and welcome to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church. I'm Jennifer, and we're so glad that you're all here to join us. Please join me in the call to worship. What gifts do we have to bring to the Lord? What service can we bring to God? How shall we witness to these mighty acts of God? How shall we praise our God? Praise be to God who has blessed me and all of us in such mighty ways. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we gather here this day in praise and thanksgiving for all of the wonderful things that you have done for us. Help us to be faithful disciples in all that we think, do, and say, that your great love may be revealed and offer healing to all people. Amen. I invite you now to offer each other sign of peace. Good morning. She's going to. And then Elizabeth has an announcement she'd like to make this morning. Um, For those that don't know me, my name is Elizabeth Valentine, and I've been coming to this church for about 20 years. And I've been working with Gidget on the outreach program for the Angel Tree. And I know many of you already saw the Angel Tree because I see that tags are gone, which is awesome. Um, I just wanted to let you know, for those that might be new, that the Angel Tree is an outreach program to help the less fortunate or needy children in our church family, in our community, and in our sister churches. So if you are able to help in any way, all you have to do is um, take a tag off of the tree, sign it out, your name, phone number, and the tag number, purchase something or a couple things, whatever you feel your heart can do and financially you can do to help the needy, wrap your gifts, put them in a bag or a box with the tag attached, and then bring them back to the church by December 12th. This is a great program, and I hope that all of you can help. And for those that are online, um, thanks to Adrian, he was able to put um, something on the website. So you don't even have to come into church. You can just go on the website and also take a tag from there. So um, let your hearts be generous as possible, and um, thank you. Good morning, everybody. In Matthew, Jesus talks about uh, the man who builds his house on the rock, and when the winds and the storm come, it stands. And he also talks about the man who builds his house on shifting sand, and when the winds and the storms come, it falls. 
And as Christians, we're called to build our lives upon the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, who has restored that relationship for us and God. So I invite you to stand as we sing our first song, Build My Life.
seated. Caitlin Sosnowski, and I'm just going to take a couple minutes of your time to tell you about what our church means to me. My parents moved back here about a year before I was born, so I've grown up in this church, and I can honestly say that without it, I would not be the person that I am today. I obviously learn a lot from my parents, but the lessons I've learned here only add on to the lessons I've always been taught at home. Here, I learned how to be humble, respectful, hardworking, and so many other things that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. I learned to be kind to others and to act in the name of God, and I learned that no matter how many times I mess up, I will always be forgiven by Him. I even learned how to mop at the fish fries. I'm so lucky to have a place like this in my life because this church has always been a safe space for me. No matter how long or tiring my week has been, no matter how stressed or upset I am, all it takes is for me to walk through these doors and I am rejuvenized and filled with the Spirit. Nowhere else can replace that feeling. The feeling that I know I'm loved, and I know I'm not perfect, but that it's okay, because I'm not expected to be. Coming here has been the highlight of my week for many years now, to the point where my parents would have to threaten not to send me to Hot Chocolate with God or youth group if I didn't finish my other responsibilities first. That definitely made me clean up my act quickly. I'm obviously human, so I have my doubts, and I get overwhelmed sometimes, and I'm not always the best Christian, but all I need is to come to church, and my faith in God is strengthened and restored. I also have always had the support from my church family to restore my strength, my peace, and my faith. Another reason I'm so thankful for this church is the relationships that I have formed here. I have made so many friends and connections here that I know I'll have for the rest of my life. And when school gets overwhelming, it is such a blessing to be able to go to church and spend time with my friends and the Lord and recharge myself. I've also gained so many mentors throughout my life here, and I'm so thankful for every one of them. So many people have helped me along in my journey. Some of these people, but definitely not all, include my parents, our pastors, past and present, Becky Heidman, Kathy Hill, Adrian Almeida, Mr. and Mrs. Putney, and many, many more. My life has been touched by so many people in this congregation, but one person that will always stand out in my life is Miss Adrian. She has always been a person I've looked up to, and the faith she carries through her life always inspires me. I will forever be thankful for her and all that she's done for our church and our youth programs because I've experienced what that care and those experiences can do for a kid growing up as a Christian. And now I get to give that back as a leader and there's nothing more special than that. It has been an amazing experience to watch these programs grow and watch as we gain more and more youth that want to learn about God. And I'm so thankful for Miss Adrian's efforts in that growth. Above all, however, I am so thankful to Miss Adrian for always being there for me. No matter how busy she is or how much she has going on, she's always been willing to listen and help me and any of the other leaders and children through our problems. She's also always helped me through my doubts and answer my questions I may have about God and their faith. And I can honestly say, at least personally, that having that presence in my life means so much more than I can ever put into words. So to get back to what this church means to me, and the most simple way to put it, it means everything. And I am forever grateful for the role that this church and the people inside it have played in my life so far. Thank you. Good morning. As we go through this 
series, and today is the day that we finish on standing on the promises. You know, the foundation of this church, those are the promises that young people um, grow on, like Caitlin. You know, she didn't, this, this church didn't just pop into her life. You are the foundation upon which her faith and her confidence have been built. And there is no greater gift than that, to make a place where people can grow in relationship. And sometimes it's the kids who mentor the rest of us, so we give thanks. I invite you to just spend some time in thanksgiving and hope and praise as we enter into this time of offering, knowing that it is what we do and how we offer ourselves and our gifts that continues the promises for those who come behind us. Thank you. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Speak the holy name of 
Oh Lord, receive our gifts. We give you thanks for those who taught us how to give, how to volunteer, how to serve. We ask you to bless all we are, all we do, and all we give. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to do our prayer time and two parts. Um, and the first is to just come and gather together as a community of prayer. And then the second will be a prayer for our Christmas child boxes, sending them off to their destinations this week uh, with our blessings. Um, so we do come together in this time of prayer and of celebration and of needing God. And I know that 
many of you are uh, interested in knowing how people are doing, and um, I spoke with Carol Dombrowski before worship, and Chet is doing pretty well. You know, dealing with some pain, as you might expect, but overall recovering uh, well. Um, last night, um, I spent some time at Millard Fillmore Suburban Hospital. Um, Roger Greer uh, was admitted there and is uh, not doing really well, um, but he's very peaceful. And so please keep Teresa um, and Roger and their whole family in your prayers. Are there others, other concerns or celebrations that you'd like to lift up? Yes. Your great-grandma has COVID? I thought she was raising her hand. <laughs> Hi, Everly. So good to have you. She's cute. We could make it all about her. Let us come before God in prayer. Oh, wonderful God, we stand here on this floor, which is a fulfillment of a promise made to this congregation, on this land, which has been a part of the church's story, in this space where we are free to worship, standing on the promises of freedom and the ability to speak the Lord's name and to pray and worship and be generous and be kind and make the world a better place because of the promises you have made. We stand first on your promises, O Lord, and then on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Maybe it was minutes before us. Maybe it was generations. But we do not come here alone. So hear our hearts in gratitude for those who have made the path. Hear our hearts in prayer for those we desperately love. For those who are dealing with and struggling with COVID. For those who find themselves watching over loved ones in the night. For those who are recovering from surgery. For those who are traveling and gathering for Thanksgiving. Lord, we ask you, wrap us in your safety and your comfort so that we may love you and love the world as you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, this is a lot of boxes. I thought maybe when I was sitting here I could figure out how many there were. I can't. It's a lot. And I want us to um, imagine that in any one of these boxes will be very likely the only Christmas gifts that a child somewhere will receive. So let us send them in prayer. Oh Lord, we ask you to carry these boxes with your spirit. All the servants that lift and pack and crate and ship 
may they touch them with love. May your light shine in the faces of children and their parents when they receive these gifts. And Lord, we ask you to bless the givers. In Jesus' name, amen. And if anybody wants to help pack after the late service, right, DJ? After the late service, all these boxes have to be boxed and wrapped and put on a truck. Morning. This morning's scripture is, is from the book of Hebrews. It's chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, then 12 through 14. Therefore, brothers and sisters who are partners in the heavenly calling, think about Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him just like Moses was faithful in God's house. But he deserves greater glory than Moses in the same way that the builder of the house deserves more honor than the house itself. Every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant in order to affirm the things that would be spoken later. But Jesus was faithful over God's house as a son. We are his house if we hold on to the confidence and the pride that our hope gives us. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that none of you have an evil, unfaithful heart that abandons the living God. Instead, encourage each other every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you become insensitive to God because of sin's deception. We are partners with Christ, but only if we hold on to the confidence we had in the beginning until the end. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. The question I've been asked to speak to today is my relationship with Pendleton Center Church and my faith. Why is it so important that I am a part of this congregation and how has this congregation helped me keep my confidence and faith in Christ, keep moving forward? There's parts of my life many of you don't know. I walked in the doors of this church a broken woman, a loss, family, wandering, and asking, why God? Why me? And the most beautiful part was Dorothy Getty, Ollie Burbage, Dorothy. They all stepped forward. They didn't ask why you're here. They didn't ask about my past. They said, welcome. The first time for me to have that happen. And my heart goes, what have these people got? 
they've got something I don't have a handle on. Yes, I was a Christian, but I certainly didn't know how important and how much Christ could give to a person. So the years went by, and the same people said, we love you, we care about you. And more of the congregation continued to say the same. They helped me grow in my faith with Christ. And as I grew, my confidence that all things are possible through Jesus Christ began to take a firm hold on my heart. It is because of you in this church, the people, the pastors, the missions, that I have become a stronger Christian and I have learned, give over to Christ. Give over to God your worries and all the issues that you think change who you are. They mean nothing to Christ or God. You are loved for who you are. And I, so I grew in that confidence. I grew as a Christian. And in the woman that you see today, that I find to be the most powerful for this church. You as the congregation are so impressive and strong in your faith. Some might be early in it, some might be late. But we've all learned, close the door. Don't look back. Christ is with you. And yes, I cry. It's a beautiful cry. Because the joy, the joy of knowing Christ and that he walks with me is so awesome. Becky. So until yesterday, I didn't know what I was going to say to you. I really struggled, and I didn't know what to say. I read scripture, and I read commentary, and I tried to figure out how I was going to tie in the scripture reading with standing on the promises of God and talking to you about stewardship. And I decided to pick up a different Bible, and I picked up the message, and our scripture reading in the message says, my dear Christian friends, companions in following this call to the heights, take a good hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. Faithful in everything God gave him to do. Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets more honor. A builder is more valuable than a building any day. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready to what was to come. Christ, his son, is in charge of the house. And I thought about that, the fact that every house has a builder, but God made everything. And I know that pastors have talked a lot during the pandemic, and especially when we couldn't be together that the church is not the house of God, right? The world is the house of God. 
And so we are God's servants, and we're entrusted with certain responsibilities, and we can choose to be faithful in our responsibility, or we can choose to ignore it. So think about when you are given something precious to hold on to. There's an expectation from that person of how that item should be handled and how it should be cared for. So I know when people get up here to talk about stewardship in church, we tune out. We think all they're going to talk to me about is giving money. But stewardship is about so much more from money. It has a much broader definition. And if we really understood it, we could give more glory to God. So what exactly is that stewardship? And the stewardship definition given by Kenneth Boa in his book, Conformed to His Image, is one of my favorites. He says, we own nothing and we're not here on our own business. As stewards, we manage the possessions of another. As ambassadors, we manage the affairs of another. The king owns everything and we are in his business to serve and represent him in the world. So a steward is someone who's been entrusted with something, and everything we have comes from God. And we're expected to properly utilize, manage, and multiply what he's given us. Stewardship is a criteria used to establish that effectiveness of God's servants. God simply asks, were you faithful or faithless with your gifts and talents? The ultimate goal of stewardship is to hear what we hear in Matthew's 25, verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The goal of stewardship is to act in a way that's consistent with how God would act if he was the one that was in possession of those items, of those gifts. God gives us opportunities. He gives us relationships, gifts, jobs, families, the environment, resources, and even money to glorify God. But how we choose to use those items is completely up to us. God's promise to us, if we have been good stewards, if we have been good with the few things that God has given us, God will give us so much more, not only in heaven, but here on earth. The Bible's full of stories of people who are good at stewardship. Moses is described as one who oversaw the affairs of God's house. The house obviously wasn't the temple, as the temple had not been built. The house is that metaphor that tells us about the relationship between God and man. And the world is, in fact, that house of God. We hear that this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. And in our scripture reading today, even Jesus was evaluated based on his successful stewardship in the house of God. These were both powerful men, strong in their faith, and willing to cross the lines that were acceptable to use their gifts, to use their talents to help others. One of my favorite movies is The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And I never forget the image of him as Moses parting the sea, saying, Behold the mighty hand of God. 
And this is a powerful image in the belief of the gifts given by God and what we can do. Recently, I've been reading a book called Mothers in Israel. And this book talks about how the Methodist church started, but it's through the eyes of women. So think about where we might be now if Susanna Wesley wasn't such a good steward of the gifts she was given. She was the spiritual director, the educator, the preacher, the worship leader of her family, and her husband Samuel's congregations. She modeled Christian leadership and love so much that the core of our Methodist movement is that love that she showed to others. Her son, John Wesley, appreciated and recognized the many roles of women in the church. He appointed women like Margaret Burnside and Mary Vanderplank to visit the sick and to teach other women. Sarah Ryan became a Methodist class leader and preacher in addition to her role of housekeeper, offering her hospitality to anyone who needed it. And Sarah Crosby, one of the first Methodist preachers, was encouraged to build friendships and watch over her sheep. They were encouraged by both John and Charles Wesley to look outside the box and beyond what was seen as normal behavior to use their gifts and talents to serve God and to be good stewards of what they have been given. So growing up in the method of church, there have been so many people who have taught me not only what my gifts are, but how to use them and how to develop them. And even in my short time here at Pendleton, we have such wonderful examples in our congregation. And our videos these couple weeks have shown what difference saying hello, writing cards can make. We have Nancy and Tom who do such a wonderful job with the music every week. And that music uplifts our hearts and helps us enjoy God. Sandy and DJ do a wonderful job with dinners and outreach and helping people using their gifts to reach those in need. Anna has a passion and a gift for ministry. And look at the wonderful Operation Christmas Child work she did. There are going to be so many children blessed this year. And Becky and so many other people who help with angel wings and find ways to find gifts that they've received and offer that blessings out to others. The Adrians working with the youth and the Putneys and Carl organizing the fish fries, using his talents to glorify God and help build up this church. So after the, over the past few weeks, we have heard from several people about why they're involved here in Pendleton and who made a difference in their lives. And during the youth service, we heard from Madison about how the youth serve the church and show stewardship. And you were challenged by her to get involved. The most valuable thing that we have is our time. We can always make more money, but time is precious and we can't make more of it. Living your life as a steward of God's grace means recognizing that everything comes from God and all that we have is God's. And I know that sometimes it can feel overwhelming to consider adding one more thing to the busy schedules that we have. Making that commitment to serve, sing, 
or maybe teach Sunday school might feel overwhelming, but you don't have to make a long-term commitment. Think about what you have fun doing. Start small. With Becky, it started with someone saying, hello, welcome, we love you. We heard from the Putneys, Ollie's smiles and her welcoming when they came in. Start small and maybe your involvement will be able to grow one day. The scriptures invite us to see that by the grace of God, we have more than enough in our lives to overflow into a new way of living. It connects the faith we profess to the ordinary ways that we use our time and our talents to live our lives. Think about how you interact with the people in your life every day, whether it's at work, at school, at home, in your community. How can you mirror Christ's generous, abundant, joy-filled, hopeful love? How can your lives reflect love, justice, mercy, and faithfulness? It's important that everything that we do with our time and our talents reflect our walk with Christ. We can also reflect on how we give time and talents back to God, just as we do with our money. Stewardship isn't just a time in the church, it's a way of living. God is the giver, but we learned that when we give to God, there's no guarantee that life will suddenly be wonderful and without pain. When we give, we're still tested. We have this building, this congregation, and this world that we're required to be good students of, stewards of. And we need to be reminded that God doesn't need our money. But when we do give, Jesus bends our hearts towards greater generosity. And generous people are the ones who are able to go out and change the world. You haven't lived until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. In 2 Corinthians, we hear, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Many of the parables that Jesus speaks to us about are about money or material possessions, the lost coin, the widow, the buried treasure in the field, the rich young man, and the good Samaritan who gives two silver pieces to the innkeeper. Jesus talks about money because he knows how personal it is to us. Stewardship of treasure is not about giving to a need, but rather it's about the need of each of us to give. Stewardship is living out a commitment to be Christ-centered rather than self-centered. And it's important for us to share our money and our gifts and our material possessions because all the good things God has made are meant to be shared. And we need to return thanks to a loving God for the many blessings that each of us have received. And often during this time of year, people say, how much am I expected to give? But the question that stewardship asks you is, not how much are you expected to give? But how much do you want to give? It means giving from the heart as a response to our faith. 
We should give personally. No other person can tell you how to give, how to use your talents. But as we seek God in prayer, God will direct us. If we have a sincere desire to be a steward, and if we're giving out of worship, gratitude, and trust, we need to simply listen to God. If giving's an issue between us and God, then it's also crucial that we give willingly. At times, we will need to pray for a willing and eager spirit, just as we do about any ministry or any other area in our life. Part of giving willingly as worship to God is the fact that God is some very personal sense. God loves a cheerful giver. So there's a story about a dad and his son. And the dad gives his son two coins, a dime and a quarter. And he tells his son that he should give one in the Sunday school offering and that he can keep the other coin. But the father reminded him, remember, God loves a cheerful giver. And later that day, the dad asks his son which coin the child had given. And he replied, Well, Dad, you said God loves a cheerful giver, and I decided that I'd be more cheerful if I kept the quarter. (laughs) We naturally think we would indeed be more cheerful keeping or spending as much as possible on ourselves or using our talents to benefit our family or ourselves. But if we've already lived that way, keeping and spending, how cheerful has it truly made you? If God is working in our heart to produce a new attitude giving based on stewardship, contentment, trust, and worship, then what God wants us to know very clearly is that we will never regret it. They tell us that the general principle is exactly what Jesus taught. God blesses givers. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God has promised that we will always have enough to live on, that you will abound in every good work and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God will also supply and increase the store of your seed and you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. People will praise God for your obedience to God and generosity. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the grace that God has given you. We're promised that eternal rewards are placed on our accounts, that those are awards waiting for us in heaven. And we have the privilege of pleasing God. And God promises that all of our needs, including money, will be supplied by him. God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All means all. God is promising not only material blessings, but this is a much better promise than even the Old Testament promise of those material blessings. It's a promise of incredible blessings throughout our life, whether it's the friendship that we've made or the people that we've reached or the joy that comes from giving to another. Will our life still be hard at times? Yes. Will it actually be hard for us to give at times? Yes. Will we have doubts and fears about giving? 
Yes. But God will bless us, and we can just leave that part up to God. If we're privileged to live the kind of life that's described above, we will be so richly blessed. To appreciate God's rewards, sometimes we need to adjust our expectations. And we often hear those that teach about God's will that Christians should be wealthy to to appeal the selfishness of their hearts. They suppose that godliness means financial gain. But the problem with thinking that way is that if we were meant to give in order to live selfishly, we forfeit the real rewards that God has promised. There's a quote attributed to Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I think all of us are making a living, but how much of us are making a true life in Christ? Please pray with me. Generous and loving God, we come to you in thanksgiving, knowing all that we are and all that we have is a gift from you. In faith and love, help us to do your will. We are listening. Speak your words into the depth of our souls that we can hear you clearly. We offer to you this day all the times of our lives, whether it be at home, at work, or school. We seek to be patient, to be merciful, to be generous, to live holy. Give us the wisdom and insight to understand your will for us and the passion to carry out our good intentions. We offer our gifts of time, talent, and possessions to you as a true act of faith to reflect our love for you and our neighbors. Help us to reach out to others as you have reached out to us. Amen. As we consider the promises that God has made to us, let us open our hearts as we prepare to receive one of God's great gifts, and it reminds us of all of God's promises as we come to the Lord's table. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who look for that day when justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation would not lift up sword against nation, and neither would we study war anymore. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and lift their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, 
heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks to you, he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood, the sign of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Every time you drink of this, do it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
table is open and our Lord calls. As the Spirit moves you, please come and receive God's gift to you. Understand that this is not about who you are. This is about who he is. And so let the Spirit move in your heart and come and receive what God has given. Please come down the center. Receive the elements here. You can also receive prepackaged elements if you prefer and exit by the side aisles. So please, there's a gluten-free station on this side to the far right of the sanctuary. Please come as the Spirit moves.
standing on those promises allows us to connect to God in that restored relationship, allows us to connect with each other in giving of ourselves and bringing glory back to God. So I invite you to stand for our final two songs, the first of Standing on the Promises. to take that confidence and to go love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So our closing song is Love the Lord. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. 
youth Bible study today, so that's our announcement. Go out, worship God, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Go out into the world and be at peace. Amen.